The Molly Geigers podcast would like to apologize for all the yelling and singing and breathing Justin does over the next hour. We're going to make him stop. In this episode, we are joined by our good friend Long Lee to talk about Team Fight Tactics, the new auto chess mode for League of Legends. During challenges, Jeff is reminded how bad the Hitman movie is, while Justin looks up the term Roche Limit on Dictionary.com. Welcome to episode 58 of the Lollygaggers podcast, a show about all sorts of different things from comics to games, movies to TV. I am one of your host, Jeff. Dylan, you son of a bitch. Is <laughs> it good? Is that good intro? Yeah, dude. This is one of those situations where we're recording the podcast a little bit out of order. It's Justin's Justin's reference there is going to make a whole lot more sense. Uh, pushing too many pencils. Yep, yep, that's that's true. Uh, so anyway, we're going to do things a couple things a little differently. We got guests coming in here in a second who's going to talk about a video game with us, and then we're going to jump into our quizzes. Get these people out! All right, and on that note, uh, let's do this. All right, Justin, you know what I have been playing this week, and what I finally got you to try is a little game I like to call League of Legends, but specifically, uh, I've been playing a new a new mode that Riot Games has introduced for League of Legends that's all the rage. Uh, it's called Team Fight Tactics. Team Fight Tactics is Riot Games' iteration of the new genre that's being called, I think incorrectly, but being called Auto Auto Chess. There's a couple different, uh, a couple different companies that have a version of this out. Uh, Dota 2, there is one for Dota 2, but there's one for League. And that's the one we've been playing uh, mainly because i uh, played League of Legends for years, so I know all the champs, all that kind of stuff. But that's not all. With us to help kind of break down and discuss uh, Team Fight Taxes is a, a good friend of ours, uh, Long Lee. We've mentioned him a couple times in the show. Long Lee, say hello. Hey, thanks for having me. Cue applause sound. Yeah, so this is where... Mm-hmm. So we've mentioned Long before, I think. Uh, and also, if, uh, if you're listening to this, we're going to be having a second podcast coming up in a couple weeks that we're going to start dropping. It's, a, it's an actual play RPG. Long Lee's one of those players. He's hilarious. He's a bard. He writes poems. It's, yeah, definitely raised the bar for what he's going to have to do on that podcast. Uh, but to give you a quick uh, kind of breakdown of how the game plays, uh, so the way it works is the game takes place over the course of a series of rounds, and it's a it's eight people queue up, and they get thrown together, and you can queue up with friends if you want, um, but you're not. It's totally competitive, uh, and there's you're all kind of sharing this giant uh, this giant pool, uh, uh, and what happens is like over the course of uh, over, over the course of the game. Um, you're randomly paired with these one-on-one kind of chess-style battles with somebody else within this arena. And over the course of the game, you're, you know, whoever wins these different battles, um, they kind of survive and keep their health kind of high. And those who lose, uh, their health kind of dwindles. And once you run out of health, uh, you are eliminated from the game. And so the person who is left standing at the very end, uh, who has, who is the only person who doesn't hasn't lost all their health, they are deemed the winner. Now, the way these battles work is every round, uh, what happens is you're giving, uh, which, which is essentially a, a handful of cards or at least a choice of champions. And so they appear at the kind of the bottom of your screen. And then you have a, a currency, so gold, that you can then purchase those champions to then place on your chessboard. And these different champions all have separate abilities and they all correspond to sort of different uh, different types of league champs. So some of them are like uh, like range AD carry types. Some of them are casters like sorcerers. Some of them are more tanky styles. Some of them are like supportive. And if you combine them together, they can create some interesting combinations that are very strong, very potent. And then you battle off. Now, 
the battling part of it all happens um, automatically. So once you place your champions on the board, there's a little bit of a countdown. And once that countdown ends, all of the models on the board start to fight based upon kind of their pre-planned pre AI. So what they tend to do, like, and most champs, they have a mana bar. And once that mana bar is filled up, they perform their ability. And you, you get mana usually by just attacking. So over the course of attacking, doing like these basic auto attacks, you eventually get to the point where your mana bar's bar is full, and then you can unleash what is sometimes a very devastating a devastating ability, and then rinse repeat. So if your dude survives, then they can go and start attacking again and get more mana. Now, every couple of rounds, we have what's called the carousel. And what this basically means is that all of the surviving players go to this one special screen where there's a bunch of different uh, different champions that are just being circled around in the middle and each one of them has an item and then based upon like how much health you have starting with the person with the lowest amount of health and ending with the people with the highest amount of health you kind of draft like which champion or which item on that champion that you want to help kind of build out your team and during the course of the game like in between all those battles that you have with people, you sometimes have PVE battles where you're you're fighting monsters. These are monsters that are usually pretty, uh, pretty popular, or or at least they're they're part of the jungle of League of Legends. So there's like the Raptors, there's the Wolf Camp, there's a dragon. Uh, what the hell else is there? There's like two others. What am I forgetting? There's Elder Dragon and Rift Herald. Sometimes up here. Yeah, that's right. Elder Dragon. There's Rift Herald. Uh, I think the the what's it called? The regular dragon. I always found to be kind of tough. Oh yeah, if you have a full Magic team, that's just like impossible right now and then like the uh the wolves are like assassins so they can like sneak up and do a ton of damage really fast and so if you don't have at least you know one or two champs that can take a hit then you're kind of screwed and then the raptors uh those are like these little birds like one every time you kill one the remaining ones get stronger and so they start like you know they start getting bigger and they attack even more quickly and stuff so so some of the pve ones if you're not careful can kind of screw you over but what they also can do is they can provide you with items now items can be assigned to various champions that you put on your board and if you combine smaller items you can get even bigger items so like two small items create like one big item and if you're familiar with the regular league of legends games you're going to see a lot of the same items so things like bloodthirster or guardian angel which are common items that you see in the regular game also appear in this team fight tactics, albeit they do slightly different things. Um, so the com the combinations that you use to create those items are a little bit different than the regular game and what they do is slightly different, but if you know what they do, you're kind of at least in the right ballpark. You kind of know, generally speaking, that if you're playing an AD carry or if you have like a gunslinger and TFT, like if you build kind of gunslinger type or AD carry type items, you're probably okay, right? So things like that kind of work out. Um, now, the game itself is very much like a set collection uh, card game, or uh, it's a little bit like uh, a little bit like a deck builder is what I, as I've been I've been referring to it as because over the course of the game you want to collect sets, uh, and there's different ways that you collect sets. You you can actually upgrade your champion by getting multiple copies of the same champion. So if you get three Lucians, for instance. Uh, you can go from level one Lucian to level two. And when you gain the second level of a champion, uh, all three of those literally combine to create one slightly bigger and graphically changed character that has a little bit more health and survivability. And then if you combine three level two characters to, of the same type together, they automatically become a level three type, which is the maximum level. Uh, they got this little gold insignia and they're very, very prized and very, very strong. So between the combination of kind of doing that and putting items on them, you can get some very, very strong carries in your game. And then the other way in which like kind of the set collection works is that uh, the game itself has different combinations of champion types. So each champion or each hero 
has di- there are different categories. So there's things like gunslingers, like I mentioned. There's also pirates. There's void champions. There's demons. And if you get a certain number of each of those types, uh, then you can create special combos. So for instance, if you have like two creatures that have the wild type, they can actually buff each other's attack speed. Or if you have a certain number of creatures of demons, a certain amount of demons, you can burn mana from the opponents that they're attacking. Uh, and so every single type of of champion has some sort of combo bonus. And a lot of these bonuses get better the more that you have. So sometimes there's like a small bonus for only having two, but then there's a bigger bonus for having four of the, of the, same, of the same family or six of the same family. Uh, and in some cases, it's just once. So in the case of someone like Yasuo, who's an exile, just having him alone is enough to be a set bonus. And so that's that's kind of the rundown. Did I did I cover? I think everything. Is there anything important that I missed? There are the level up where you you level up. You can add like an extra unit on board. Right, right. So then you have. So the, yeah, that's the other thing. Like you, like everybody has like this own little cartoonish little icon. You start as like a, a fat ghost, a river sprite, but over the course of like the in-game economy, um, like if you play enough, you can complete quests, open eggs, and you get these other little cute little Pikachu Pokemon-style creatures. Um, and then over the, but like over the course of the game, every couple of rounds you have XP and the XP allows your, your dude to level. And so you start at level one and then you go to level two and level three. And I think the max level is nine. And the amount of, the amount of champions you can have on the board is equal to the amount, the, the, your level. So if you're level three, you can have three champions. If you're level four, you have four champions. And so every round you're getting automatically two XP, uh, but you also have the ability if you want to spend gold, which you're accruing every single round, uh, to actually in- buy four XP. So sort of XP a little bit faster. And in doing, you know, sometimes doing so is really helpful because it means you can get another person on the board. If you can get another person on the board, that's kind of a really good thing to do as well. So economy is kind of interesting as well because there's a couple different ways you get money, but the the, pr- the main thing is, is that you're always going to be getting a, a base a base amount. Um, what is it? Uh, what's the base amount? Is it like is it just per round you get like what? It starts off low, but then over the course of the game, it's like increases to five, I think, max. Yeah, because like there's that interest thing that works. So if you like if you hold a certain amount of gold um, between rounds for every 10 gold that you keep without spending it, you you accrue interest. And so then the next round, when you get more money, you get you get your normal income plus interest. Uh, then you also get bonuses from win streaks or loss streaks, which can be anywhere from plus one, plus two, or plus three gold. So if you're if you're doing really really well and you have a win streak going, you'll get a bonus plus three gold plus your interest plus your regular income, and so you can be getting a, a very high amount. There's also the pirates themselves, which is another way to get money because if you one of the the benefits of the pirate set, if you if you combine, I think it's three pirates or more, you can start getting um, bonus money. Uh, for plant for for the PvP rounds, like this little chest will pop up on your board, and you have to hurry your your little Pokemon guy over, and you have to like pick up all the gold that pops out of the chest. Uh, and that's that's I think I think that's about it. So Longley and I we've been playing it for like a month or more since it was up on the PBE, uh, which is like their uh, their kind of beta servers. Justin just started playing it more recently. So Long, what do you think of uh, of this team fight tacti- tactics? What is your what are your initial thoughts after about a month of play? I can't get enough of it. It's actually really fun. Um, I think this is like the new style of game that's been popping up. Start with Dota Auto Chess, right. then Valve made their own, and now TFT is happening. It's sort of like how Dota had its game, and Riot made their own MOBA. Yeah. It's like happening, repeating itself. But this game has a lot of replayability. You can just 
queue up instantly. You don't have to rely on teammates. Mm-hmm. It's all yourself. Yeah, definitely the teammate yeah. thing is is something um because when you normally play when you play league, normally you have to you play with there's five people per team uh, for the most part like in in the most popular mode, the regular mode, it's 5v5. And sometimes you play with people you know and sometimes you have to get randomly queued with other people. Like if you play ranked or something like that, you usually have anywhere between 3 or 4 people on your team that you don't know and you never know, you know, their skill level. But in this sense it's it's really a solo game. Like you're playing by yourself. You really have no one else to rely on but yourself. And even though you can group with a friend, which is which is fun, you can group with quite a few people. You can actually, I think you can just do like a full group of like a, everybody could be somebody you know. You're still versing each other. You're still kind of doing the round robin where you're constantly, you know, competing with each other. But there's, you know, it, it doesn't, like you're right, like you can kind of just do it yourself. Um, one of the big uh, complaints that I've heard from some of the people that we play with um, from time to time, and then I've seen other people write about it, is RNG, right? The random nature of it, especially in regards to like, who gets items and when you get items. So what do you think about like the randomness of the game? Uh, I think it's healthy to have RNG in the game or for right now, it's a little heavy. It's a little heady sided. Um, sometimes you can get, end up with seven items like after the first round or you can get none at all. And they're working towards a better system where everyone gets like items uh, 100% of the time to even out the playing field a little bit more. Right. Because, yeah, like, like I know there have been times when like the, the, the opening three rounds of the game are all PvE, right? You just face these little minions. You start with just facing, like, two and then three and then four. And then in the fourth round is when you finally face. But by that time, if you're really unlucky, you might only have, like, the starting item you had from the very beginning, from your very first spawn, right? Other people might already have, like, upgraded items at that point. So I might be just playing with, like, you know, a BF sword, which is, like, half an item, Whereas other people might be playing with like two or three. Like there have been times where I've played with you or I've played with our friend Coder. I watched him once get six items from one like yeah. PVE encounter and I'm sitting on like a, only like only two. So it was like really fascinating. Um, but I would say there's also been times like where I've played games where I didn't really get any items. Um, like I really had to kind of like grind out with the whole combination of, of champions or upgrading champions. And like, I just, I wasn't getting lucky, but I still managed to kind of pull it out in the end or like place pretty high, like top four or something like that in the end. So there are like a ton of different types of items. So like, what are some of the items that you think are essential or like what, that you think are really useful in the game? Like, or maybe even OP even. Oh, I think the strongest one has to be Phantom Dancer. This item gives you dodge all critical strikes. So if you place that on a unit, they can dodge so many hits, it's insane. Right, especially if you're going against like an assassin team. Like I've I've done that before. Where I've dropped like a Phantom Dancer on like a a Varus or or a Tristana, like a Gunslinger or something like that, sitting in the back, or a Ranger sitting in the back, and I'll drop a Phantom Dancer on them against like assassin teams, and like that, it's amazing how long that person lives at a certain point, like that that the criticals that they're surviving through. Uh, one of my favorites is is the Zephyr. Um, so Zephyr is combined using um, a Giant's Belt, which is basically a health item, and then a Negatron Cloak, which is a magic resist item. And what it does is at the very start of the fight, um, it CCs a character. It throws them up in a whirlwind for the first five seconds. And so you get to actually automatically your your people are kind of moving around the board. And so for the first five seconds of that battle, one of the other person's champions is completely out of the fight. And so if you can burst somebody down, like you immediately have a number. So I've always, I'm always a big fan. It's one of the first ones I always try to build, um, depending on what my starting item is. But that, that one has is, is always been one of my favorites. Uh, are there certain are there certain items that you think uh, that you would avoid or you would like tell people that you probably shouldn't build or, or uh, 
that you would probably stay away from that you or you think maybe need a little bit of a boost um i think bloodthirster it's not really useful on a lot of the characters maybe like draven or like a heavy auto attacker but it doesn't really seem to get much use what about um so there's this one small item in the game called a spatula and it's a really special item because when you combine the spatula with some of the other smaller items, it creates like really unique uh, combined items. So there's like you can you can combine like a spatula with um, with like a recurve bow, for instance, and that creates an item that that allows you to if you if you put it on a champion, that champion now be, takes on the trait of a blade master, which is a category of champions. So now that when you put them on the map, they count towards the total of blade masters you have, and so then you could actually have a higher count like towards that number. So if you you're hitting like your your the count that would rec- that would give you the passive like the benefit from it. If you combine like I think it's I think it's like a it might be a health like the giant's belt in a in a spatula creates like a a frozen mallet which I think allows the person to then be uh, treated as glacial. Uh, and then in some cases if you if you're actually super lucky and you get two spatulas and you combine both of those spatulas you get a force of nature. And if you throw a force of nature on a character, what that means is that they don't count towards your your total unit limit. So if you're like level you know level five, that means you can only have five champions on the board. But if one of your champions happens to have a force of nature, that means they don't count towards that total, which means you can now put six people on the board. So of this, like, do you ever use the spatula? Do you ever try to like take advantage or abuse the the like kind of recategorization efforts that the spatula provides? Yeah, getting one spatula if you need to like round out your team of assassins maybe you're missing like a unit try to get that bonus it's nice round off to get complete it most of the time i don't go for spatula just because if you want to go double spatula it's kind of risky mm-hmm. you're losing you just have a one spatula on your bench not really putting the item to use and then i guess the other question i would have is like when you like when you look at all the different combos and there's tons of different combos that you can do with like these different champs. So there's gunslingers, there's rangers, there's glacial, there's elementalists, uh, there's brawlers, there's knights, there's nobles, um, uh, pirates. I might have already said those, and I can't remember the exact number. And I and I'm not sure if they're ever going to plan any more suits or categories in the future. Uh, but are there any like kind of favorite combos that you've done? Or yeah, so I've done yorls. It's one of the harder ones, but it's really fun when you get it running because the enemy team can't hit any of your units. There's also assassins. It's a pretty common comp. Your team just jumps all over the other team, gets crits. Yeah, the Yordle one is Yordle one is like the most like oh man like if you played a Yordle like if we were doing like an in person land party and somebody had like six Yordles and I was playing against them, I might have to go in the other room and just like smack them in the back of the head because it's the most. <laughs> frustrating comp because so yordles are like little like halflings basically like they're little tiny little people and they're like partly furries in some cases but if you combine them together it increases the mischance so you actually have a mischance it starts pretty low but eventually gets to like 60 percent or something like that when you have like a full team of six and so like every more than every other hit every other attack on this thing is like just miss 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 so are there any would you say there are any like combos that you think are underpowered or do you think that need a little need a little benefit a little love something like that yeah i think demons have been were slacking throughout the beta they've been receiving a couple buffs here and there that might be put them in a better spot they might need more work they just got a buff recently to increase the 
think it was the percentage chance that they were able because demons the demons can mana yeah, burn basically burn mana, yeah yeah and i think they just got a buff like a week or two ago i don't know if it went on live or if it just stayed on beta but that still exists they're like my favorite comp like i love playing i love playing demon glacial because it's just so much like you're just not allowed to do anything like if my demons get on you and then like they're burning your mana and then you're also getting stunned. So by the time you come out of the stun, you don't have any mana to actually use any items because the demon's been hitting you. So it's like that combination is just so annoying uh, to play against that I like playing it because it pisses people off. Would you, would you say there are any like OP combos, like things that like you really get annoyed playing against or that you think uh, need to be toned down? OP, I think a late game glacial can just outright win the game. Like glacial has a chance of freezing your units. And the more glacial you have, the more chance you have to freeze. And once those units get frozen, you can't do much. You just watch your board die. I guess then uh, last question for you before I bring Justin in, because Justin played last night and did surprisingly well. Uh, but uh, when if you if like you were getting into this, like you and I, have, we've both played League for a really long time. So it was like super easy to transition into this game because we know who all these champs are and what they do. And and even though like in auto chest, each champ only has like one ability, like from the from the main from the main game, and in the main game they usually have four, right? It's still you can still sort of predictively or at least some way intuit like how to kind of piece a comp together and what they might do, because they are still fairly similar to what they do in the in the regular game. But if you're I mean, do you think this is a game that somebody who wasn't familiar with League could actually get into? Do you think that this is or maybe maybe that's an unfair question. Maybe the better question is do you think that the learning curve to learn this game is probably greater or lesser than the learning curve to just learn regular league? Oh yeah, for sure. This is a much easier game to jump into than trying to play league on its own. Uh, you, right now it's a new game. Everyone's learning what's good, what's bad, what, what things you can do. Uh, there's a bunch of resources popping up that you can check out just to learn the game, tell you the stats of certain stuff. Really, you just pick up and play. It's that simple. Yeah, one of the best. Re what I always do is on my second monitor, I always pull up Scara, who's a is a former pro, uh, pro league player. He's a he's a streamer now on Twitch. Um, but uh, he has like posted, like pasted, like pinned to his Twitter account. He's got like the cheat sheet for items and the cheat sheet for team comps. It's I just love having like the item cheat sheets right next to me, so I can constantly see what I need to combine to make uh, make something that works for me. So. Uh, yeah, definitely recommend if uh, if you have like a second monitor or if you can just alt tab or something like that or whatever it is or play it windowed, uh, definitely have something up because they don't have like an in-game menu for combination. Like you can kind of preview when you put one item over the other, like what it's going to merge into when you try to combine two items together. But that doesn't necessarily help you with future planning, right? Because like when you're in that carousel and you're trying to pick like what like you can't do it there. So it's helpful to have that little item. So hopefully over the course of the, you know, as they're developing it, like, and they're, they're like the, the user experience can get slightly tweaked and buffed with, uh, with some stuff like that, some extra info and menus. Cause I know that they're planning a, uh, I saw that they were planning some kind of like damage meter thing where they're going to kind of give you damage reports about like what kind of stuff was doing the most damage to you. Um, I saw that there was some, there's some stuff on Twitter that they're trying to do. Um, and ranked isn't in yet, but so we know that ranked will be coming at some point, but if there was a, if there was something else that you would like to see them do, we know that they're adding new champs, like they're adding Twisted Fate soon. But if there is something that you would like to see that would even improve the game, like what's what's something that you would like Riot to do to kind of improve or even better what already is a, a pretty fun game? Really, it's the clarity of the game. Right now, uh, it's kind of hard to know what exactly is good or bad. 
because some stats are hidden. I think they need to like show maybe numbers uh, or the units like ranges and stuff because right now you can't really find that information. All right, so Justin, uh, you played this last night. Are you there? Did you fall asleep? You, 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 you still awake? Okay. I know. So this is actually, I'm actually trying long out to see for a replacement host because, uh, uh, oh. yeah, oh. I just, I can't, I can't take it with Justin anymore. But Justin, you, fine. you played it for a couple hours last night. So, and I told you that I thought you being a former Magic player, like Magic Gathering player, that you probably... I think you could you could you would take to it because the idea of of kind of deck building because I've been whenever I describe it to people I often describe it as a deck builder, um, even though it's it's displayed differently right because you're playing actual chance but ultimately that's really what you're doing is like you're drafting cards from the hand you're dealt, or you're you know that are and these cards are basically champions or you're drafting champions and items from a shared pool and that's what you're doing so to me it had a lot of that kind of constructed magic mentality to it so like. So, like, what did you think of it? What were your first impressions? You played, like, three, four hours with me and Pat last night. What would you think? I thought it was fun. Um, I do think the randomness, the RNG, is a little bit too much. Uh, I know that it's, it takes, takes time to tweak some of that. I do like that you all pull from the same pool of, like, characters at a time. And, like, my cards that I get to choose from are the same as your cards you get to choose from. It's just, like, who's picking what. It's almost like a, a magic draft. If you- yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, it was fun. Uh, I like the League of Legends characters. Um, I, I, I have a hard time getting to know like the makeups and stuff. But I only played it one time last night. So it was, it was for a couple hours. So like, I, yeah, think we played, we got, like, I think we played like three games. I think four games in or like three that, yeah. or four. But uh, it's fun. I, I enjoyed it a lot. And I want to play it some more, actually. So, yeah, that's my thing. Okay. Uh, hey, Longley, do you got any other like uh, any tips or any uh, resources to give uh, to give new people? I mean, being the like the professional uh, at this game, like, do you uh, he long, he like wins all the time? It's really it's really annoying actually. Uh, but uh, do you have any like other tips or anything to to anybody or like some place they can go to find more info, anything like that? Yeah, you can look up just a TFT cheat sheet. Something's bound to pop up. It'll give you like all the groups, all the champs that make up that group all the item combinations and right now a comp i like running or the strat i like doing is just get as much gold as you can early yeah. try to get to 50 gold absolutely i do the same thing just roll. yeah i taught I, I told keith that like our friend keith who he plays this game and and uh like he was he got frustrated here and there with some things and i told him like dude just just this is what you need to do like stop spending money early in the game and like the idea is just do your best with whatever it is you get in the beginning and don't like, don't chase, you know, with like upgrading or re-rolling and getting like a new hand of cards. Like don't chase money. Like, like, like that's really bad. Try to get to 50 gold as, as quickly as possible so that like you're getting the maximum income each round. And it means you're going to take some damage early on. Um, but that's fine. Like you're, but it, by, by the end it's going to be great. Cause there've been games where like I've been in single digits and I've turned around and I've, and I've either finished first or second or something like that. And there have been games where I've been way the hell out in front and I've fallen behind and I've, you know, I've fallen fifth or sixth because, you know, I wasn't handling my economy properly. So, uh, all right. So that's about it for our discussion of League of Legends new game mode, uh, Team Fight Tactics, TFT. So, uh, but if, yeah, if you like this idea, if you like the sound of kind of getting into a game that is less about like reaction times with the, or like your ability to move the mouse really fast. And it's really just about thinking and tactical decision-making and sort of long, even long-term strategic thinking. Uh, I think team for uh, team fight tactics. I always do team fortress, but team fight tactics 
uh, is actually a really good game, uh, and definitely uh, definitely take a look at it. And Long, thanks for joining us, man. Uh, Yay! Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Uh, and then you can, if you like uh, hearing a little bit from, from Long Lee, maybe we'll get him on from time to time. Uh, and also listen to us uh, in a month or so when we get all of our adventures and lollygagging uh, uh, role-playing stuff up there where he is going to be a wonderful little tiny character. Like, seriously, super tiny, like 40 pounds. I'm so small. So small. Uh, but yeah, all right. And now, it's time for the Gentleman's Challenge. So the Gentleman's Challenge is a segment we do here on the Lollygaggers podcast where Justin and I like to give each other homework assignments. Now, these homework assignments usually consist of watching a movie or a television show, maybe playing a movie, or that's not right, maybe playing a game or reading a comic. Uh, And then to ensure that we completed some homework, we come back on the next episode and we quiz each other about it to try to make the other look stupid. Uh, So we should also warn you that everything we cover in the Gentleman's Challenge is very spoiler heavy. We really don't pull any punches. So if there's something that we're talking about today uh, that you'd rather not be spoiled about, it's best to skip this now uh, and come back after you've experienced it yourself. Uh, With that in mind, Justin, who's going first this time? Uh, I was first last time, so let's have you do it this time. So you get to uh, talk about your, your, your classic Oh cinema, boy. Cinema classic. Oh boy. So often what I do when it's my turn to do one of these summaries and talk about what it is, I, I, I take some time to like write up some things. <laughs> I didn't do that this time. Uh, I just didn't think it was really worth it. Uh, see, Justin assigned me Hitman, uh, which is the 2007 mega hit uh, that's based on the video game mega of the same name, uh, Hitman. Uh, which is a long-running series, multiple multiple different games. Not going to cover each and every one, uh, but it's the movie itself is directed by Xavier Jens or Gens. Not sure if it's a hard or soft G, and it's written by Skip Woods, uh, and it stars Timothy Olyphant, whom I love, uh, basically because of two roles. Because uh, I love Justified, it's one of my all-time one of them shows. Hitman, the other one Justified. <laughs> so that's it. Yeah, it's interesting because like I like Timothy Olyphant, but I'm not like a die-hard fan of his. Like I'm of like other. I just really like some of his roles, particularly Deadwood and Justified. Like I really like him, but like I have this strange dislike of Drew Barrymore. I don't know why. It's just it goes back to ET. It's really strange. But like my dislike of her was apparently greater than my love of Timothy Olyphant because I was never actually able to watch like that Santa Clarita Diet on Netflix, which is about like her becoming a zombie or something. So I guess I don't love him all that much. But he is the star. Uh, he is the uh, the the actual hitman himself. Uh, there's also Doug Ray Scott, who was, if I recall correctly, the original Wolverine, wasn't he? Before uh, for Hugh Jackman was cast, is, is, isn't that correct? I think that's correct. I have no or idea. Or he was That's maybe a... he was being considered for it, but I know he was he was definitely somebody who was going to be or very heavily being considered to be Wolverine. Imagine what would have been different about the world if Doug Ray Scott uh, and not the greatest showman on earth uh, actually played Wolverine over the course of all these X Men movies. Uh, it's also got Olga Karolenko, uh, who she's been in a lot of stuff. Uh, I haven't seen her in a whole lot recently. I know she was a Bond. Uh, she was in a Bond movie. I can't remember which, but I think it was one of the uh, one of the Daniel Craig movies. They all kind of blend together to me. I'm not really a big Bond fan. So uh, so anyway, uh, those are sort of like your three uh, big names. Uh, there's also Robert Nepper, who uh, was in uh, Prison Break. Uh, so you might recognize that guy. Uh, and 
I think the the most underrated casting of this entire movie was Henry Ian Cusack, who I know as Desmond from Lost, uh, but he's also uh, he he was also Kane from The Hundred as well. Um, well, at least he was until this most recent season in which they put him in a different body. But hey, spoiler about that. Anyway, so the premise of the movie is that Timothy Oliphant plays a hitman, hence the name, uh, and it's a hitman. Who, he's a hitman. He's Agent Forty Seven. They don't have names. They have numbers. Uh, and they are, he works for an organization that's known only as the organization. Okay. So that's the name of it. It uh, cool. Like it's so vague. It's cool. Right. And this organization takes no sides and instead it just hires out its hitmen to various geopolitical powers to en- enact whatever sort of diabolical schemes that they want done. Now, the movie itself is a frame job. So it's got a narrative frame to it, meaning we start in the very beginning of the movie at the end. And at the very, like the last scene, well, one of the last scenes is Timothy Oliphant, who is like kind of the hero in a, in a like kind of a Les Mis type of way, uh, meeting with Doug Ray Scott, uh, who is also a good guy, but member of Interpol, who's been chasing uh, Timothy Oliphant's character for some time now, assuming him to be some kind of serial killer assassin type, right? And they're having like this little meeting at uh, Doug Ray Scott's house. His name is Mike Whittier. And then we flash back to... And then it goes, it goes... Yeah, I then bet goes... you're wondering how we got here. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's some time ago. Uh, and then we get the actual story. Uh, so Timothy Oliphant's character is uh, is hired to perform a hit on uh, on a the kind of the Russian president, prime minister, whatever, I can't remember the exact, uh, I can't, can't remember his actual political rank, um, but he was hired to actually assassinate someone by the name of Mikhail Belikov, which he does quite effectively. Uh, he is at a very, very long range. He shoots a sniper rifle from a couple miles away, hits him right in the head, kills the guy, everything's great, it's super easy, no problem. And then... It turns out that Belikov is alive, and it becomes really confusing. Like he's like, no, that's not that's not at all possible. There's there's no possible way. And then he is sent somewhere by his normal connective services, who he connects with this uh, this kind of automated voice via his laptop to a specific location where he can kind of see that this is that, that there's a witness, right? So, and that's where Olga Karolenko's character Nika. Uh, comes into play and she's apparently the witness because she is a um a call girl i guess um concubine of belikov or something like that and she's being framed as the witness and so he has to go and he when he when he gets like on the street and he comes into contact with her face to face uh she doesn't recognize him which immediately signals to him that something strange is going on and then there's a gunshot and somebody who is standing near them on the street gets killed which leads you know, Agent 47 to believe that he's being set up in some way and that his organization is somehow now targeting him. And so this becomes, this begins like this long kind of story about um, him trying to uncover just who set him up, uh, who Mikhail Belikov is, because apparently Mikhail Belikov is alive. And it turns out that the movie Face Off uh, was wedged into this movie uh, at a very small point. Off. Yeah, exactly. So, oh my god. Uh, so, yeah, because apparently there was a body double for Belikov, and now uh, Belikov is got like a, like the Belikov double has Belikov's face, and so there's that, and then there's this whole you know Interpol agent uh, Mike Whitt- Whittier who's like trying to track down Agent Forty Seven, and then you got Robert Nepper who is a member of the FSB, uh, 
and he is like interfering in a way and trying to prevent uh, the uh, the CIA agent, or excuse me, the uh, the Interpol agent from getting what he needs to get. Uh, as part of this, Agent Forty Seven, uh, so Timothy Oliphant and Olga Killerlinko kind of get paired off together, but in a horrible way. Like it's 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 portrayed the way a thirteen year old boy probably thinks that male female relationships should transpire if all they've ever paid attention to was the way that male and female relationships transpire in video games, because uh, Timothy Oliphant's character is incredibly abusive towards her, like drives her around (laughs) while she's in a trunk uh, for a while with a dead body, Uh, just kind of, you know, threatens her all over the time. Like at one point, like like injects her right in the neck when she's like coming on to him because why she's coming on to him, who the hell knows. Right. So she's just naturally attracted to him. I should point out, by the way, that Tim Lee Olivan's character is like a six foot four bald white dude with a bear with a barcode tattoo on the back. So I wonder about the organization and their desire to have these these hitmen who are not easy to spot and and that don't get caught easily. Why do you just have a bunch of super tall, uh, primarily white uh, dudes with barcodes in the back? And that's all they are. They don't try to hide themselves. They, they, they don't. They, they barely ever wear hats. You know, they, they wear the same kind of suit over and over again. It's the most ridiculous premise ever. And it's like the word I might get shot in like three seconds. And if I do, I probably said too much. But it's really kind of the dumbest thing. If you think about it, these are hitmen. They're, they're supposed to blend. You know, I think of like the born identity and stuff like that. And those movies about the idea of them just trying to be everyday normal people blending in. And then I watch this one. and It's like, no, we're going to go a different direction. We're, we're just going to do something totally different. So anyway, the investigation continues, and at a certain point, uh, at a certain point, uh, Tim the Elephant needs to get access to uh, Mikhail Belikov's brother, who is Henry Ian Cusack. Is, uh, his character comes in, all for the sole purpose of just killing him to create a funeral, where he can then set up the kind of final scene where he lures out the uh, the actual killer, uh, and he manages to like isolate. Uh, like Belikov, and it's like through this whole orchestrated mess, kind of frees himself of whatever was going on. All the while, Timothy Oliphant's character and and, and Olga Kurilenko, they all they all kind of get in this sort of will they won't they relationship. But since Agent Forty Seven has never really known love or known what it's like to be with a person, and he reads Cosmos and stuff like that to kind of understand women, like it never really blossoms into anything. And ultimately, he gives her like a. He, he like he gets her out of the picture to make sure she's safe and um and threatens anybody who gets close to her and then when somebody tries to get close to her at the very end he kills that person and she make and he makes sure that she has like a vineyard or something at the end to like so she can get out of her concubine ways and it's a happy you know a happy go I guess a happy ending for them now in terms of the actual Inter- Interpol agent uh it's a fairly happy ending for them too um so Mike tracks down. Tracks down Agent 47 at the funeral, uh, puts him into custody after Agent 47 kills Belikov or the Belikov double, right? And then while Agent 47 is being extracted from that site, uh, one of his CIA contacts who he was blackmailing, uh, he manipulates it, Agent 47 manipulates it so he can get the CIA agents to distract the Interpol agents so that he can get away. And so he gets away. And then later he meets with he meets with the Interpol agent at at his house with a dead body um, that looks a lot like him. It's just one of the other uh, organization uh, assassins, right, to try to convince Mike Whittier that, hey, I'm not really as bad a guy as you think I am. Uh, here's a dead body. Don't come chasing me. 
if you make me kill you right now, like I'm not going to only kill you. I'm going to kill your family because those are the exact type of things that a good guy would say and that a good guy would do. Like, here's a dead body. I'm going to threaten your kids. Hey, we're cool, right? And then Mike is like, yeah, we're cool. And then he leaves and they're cool. And so, yeah, it's basically they miss. That's that's really what it is. So um, what did I think of this movie? It's awful. Like, it's really bad in so many ways. Just the way in which the relationship between the man and the woman in this is just ugh, so bad. Like, I watched this movie and I and I think I think back to when, like, you and I were somewhere between the ages of, like, 12 and 16. And I really hope we didn't think that this is, like, sort of the, the behavior that, uh, that heroes display. Because anybody who watches this movie and thinks Agent 47 is a good person and is the hero of this movie, you're, you're totally wrong. He kills so many people. And he does so often in times in which there's really no reason to. Like, he just sort of does it. And some of those people, they're just there in the bathroom guarding who they're supposed to guard. They're not bad people. They're just doing their job. But hey, you're there, so I'm going to kill you. But hey, I'm still the good guy, right? And oh, you're a woman? Well, I'm going to throw you in a trunk with a dead body. And then then to make you feel better, I'm going to say, all right, you're back in the trunk, but at least I got rid of the dead body this time, right? And then for some reason, I still don't know why, she actually finds him attractive. Now, I also find Timothy Oliphant attractive, but I prefer that he actually has hair, uh, and maybe that's just very shallow of me. Maybe I don't like bald guys, but yeah, I just don't get her her attraction to him whatsoever uh, based upon his physical appearances and based upon his behavior and how abusive he is. Uh, and then the whole, like, Interpol agent, just like, really? Like, I don't think he's going to be okay with this. Like, you still killed a whole mess load of people, right? It's a it's a really bad movie, and it's definitely not for a person who has half a brain. Uh, if you have, like, a quarter of a brain or maybe less than that, maybe this movie works for you. Or if you think, like, Call of Duty has, like, really good writing, then maybe, uh, maybe this movie would work for you. But aside from that, it's just god-awful. It is, it is, it is what bad video game movies are, right? If you think about how the the trend or the stereotype of video games transferred or translated into movies works, and more often than not, they're trash. Yeah, this is definitely right there. And it's one of the worst. Like, it's no Uwe Boll, but it's still pretty bad. What did you think it's, of it? It's, it's no uh, Detective Pikachu, I'll tell you that. Um, unfortunately, I did watch this whole thing. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes when I assign you something, I like skip through like big chunks of it, like 20 minutes at a time. Like if it's like a really boring thing or like last week I was getting pretty creeped out by those little kids. So I kind of skipped forward a little bit here and there, but like I watched this whole thing and I regret every second of it. It's a chauvinistic, very early two thousands movie. Like it, it screams early two thousands and uh, it, it shows real bad. how just like the way they, it's like that triple X, you know, it's like if triple X mixed with uh born identity, but, uh, you know, a thinner Vin Diesel, I guess. So that's, that's the best way I can kind of describe it. I actually think I actually think the Born Identity movies are halfway decent. Um, I don't they don't hold up as well as they used to. Like when I remember when they first came out, I was all into them. And then now I watch them. I'm like, OK, maybe I've just seen them too much. Or I'm just sort of tired of them. But like there was stuff about them I liked. I liked the kind of the kind of Euro the Euro setting. It had like a, a certain. There is a certain romanticism to it, I guess, for an American who doesn't really go to Europe. Um, and But then also, like, some of the chase scenes were pretty awesome. And then the fight sequences, I thought, were decently shot. Like, in this one, it's just like, I'm just going to shoot guns. I, there's one fight where I think there's about 150 cuts 
in the one fight. It, it like hurts your eyes to watch. Yeah. So anyways, are you ready for your quiz question? Uh, I am. All right. So when the hitman shot his target, Belikov, right? Right. How did he say that he confirmed his kill? Where did he shoot him at? That he confirmed, like they covered it up with, like I can't remember the exact. Where did he it's like the occipital cavity or something like that. So, something like that. Is that about right? I, it, it's got it's I got like know. it's got medical language, and so that I was never good at biology, I'll, but it's something like that. I'll give you 0. 0.75. Okay, that's fair. I know uh, I didn't get it right, but na- it's something like that. Nasal cavity. Okay, nasal okay. cavity. Sure, sure, sure. That makes that 0. makes 0. more 5. sense. That makes more sense. Thank you. That's very kind. All right. Next question. What is more dignified way of killing each other? What is the most dignified way to kill one another? <laughs> in- so, is that are you referencing a quote, or is it just like more like I gotta pick one of the it's, ways? It's, it's it's a quote, and in the movie, it is the most dignified way to kill each other. So, um, huh? Can you give me a hint? Because I I don't remember this part. When they when all the hitmen go after him. Oh, that's right. When they drop all their guns, uh, even though they had them three to one and they had guns in his face, and then they instead use blades that they, you know, and then, yeah. That's, samurai fight. They just, they just samurai fight. What I didn't understand about the scene is why yeah. were the other hitmen trying to kill the other hitmen? To, why were they trying to kill Hitman 47? No, they were like pointing guns all at each other. It was a good right? old-fashioned Mexican standoff, right? But why? I don't understand. The target's 47. Because it looked cool, right? Anyways, samurai sword fight is the most dignified way yeah, to it totally fight is, totally is, totally is. Two small samurai swords in the small of your back that you hold at all times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is a multiple-choice question. Who has the coolest tattoo? <laughs> all right. Okay. Is it Hitman with the barcode on the back of his head? Okay. Is it Nika... With the dragon on her face, mm-hmm. or is it Desmond with the double snake tattoo on his? It's it's Desmond with the double snake tattoo. Uh, first off, girl with the dragon tattoo. Hello, that's been done. And secondly, the barcode. I mean, a, a box of cereal has a barcode. That's not all that special. So I'm going with Desmond. Right. the The trick though about that barcode on the back of the head, it's actually a coupon for twenty <laughs> percent off yeah. at every public store that they go to. So they just have to put. And they get, okay, so yeah, it's a, a correct answer. Sna- snake tattoo. I do wonder right. if like you could get a barcode scanner on your phone if their uh, their tattoos would, would ring up something. That'd be interesting. All right, next question. What are you gonna do? This is a quote from the movie near the end. It's near the end. Oh, I got this. She says, "Set me up. Set me up. I got this." What are you going to do? What I do. That's perfect. That's the stupidest. That's a, such a. Oh my god, it's so bad. <laughs> What I do. Oh, God, All right. so awful. And last question, Jeffrey. Was it Penny's boat? <laughs> no, it was not Penny's boat. Charlie wrote it on his hand and died because of that. No, not Penny's boat. You're right, it was not Penny's boat. All right, so you got yourself uh, 4.75 out of 5. Very good. For such a uh, uh, classic uh, movie, you seem to really be paying attention tightly to it so I'm, i have I'm actually seen it before but it's been some time and so i was perfectly fine to watch it wait again. you watched hitman twice i think i've seen it because it really looked familiar a lot of this stuff i remember hating the way in which the male female leads were behaving in the movie 
And so I watched it again. I'm like, oh yeah, it's that one with the one where I hate the way the male and female. Yeah, it makes no sense. Okay, yeah, it's juvenile bullshit. Got it. All right, Justin. So with Hitman out of the way, sadly, uh, what uh, what was your quiz for the week? You assigned me the word Roche limit, and so the word Roche limit is a noun. Uh, it is the clause is the closest distance. From the center of a planet that a satellite can approach without being pulled apart by the planet's gravitational field. So, what are your questions for the what are your quizzes? Well, I mean, that okay. was that was all I got right there. That was that was I was like the the one question. I one had for was, one, what, I'm good. What all is right. Roche limit? So, for the first time ever, Justin got a hundred percent on his quiz. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's amazing. Right. Uh, no, really, uh, Roche limit is a comic book that was made in 2015. It's created by Michael. Marecci, I'm sure that's wrong, but you know, and Vic uh, Mal- Malhotra, uh, I'm sure that's wrong too. No, I'm sure uh, that one was totally right. That one right there, especially with the stuttering in the middle of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, basically, this is a Image Comics book. It's uh, produced by Image Comics, and uh, the story is it starts off with um, some type of like goon. It's, it's if so, the planet kind of went under. They created a colony that went off on a spaceship and they found this like singularity almost, uh, but it's not really the same because it's not like a black hole doesn't have a gravitational field. Um, It's just kind of like this weird light producing singularity. So they took this colony out to kind of like study it and figure out what they can do because Earth's kind of on its last end. And the comic book kind of starts talking about that whole situation and also starts off with some type of big goony looking guy throwing a woman into a spacesuit and then throwing her out of a airlock towards the singularity to be kind of uh, engulfed by it. That's what it kind of starts off with. So it looks like this man is, is dragging a woman into a spacesuit to throw her into a singularity. Um, and then goes back to the like space station that is called Rochelim that's uh, around this uh, big singularity where a woman by the name of Sonia is trying to find this woman who was in the spacesuit. And so she's going around from club to club, area to area, trying to find this woman. It turns out it's her sister. She comes across a guy by the name of Alex, who's a savory friend, I guess. And he's this guy who uh, who deals in drugs and he has like this special concoction for a thing called Recall, yeah, which yeah, yeah. Uh, immediately makes you think about Total Recall. Yeah, that's the only reason I assigned this to you. Can I wind back a second here? Did you just call him savory? Yeah, savory's delicious. A not unsavory, a savory. Meaning, okay, yeah, I just want to make sure. I thought it was like I said what I said. What I said. You're right. Let me continue. You're absolutely right. I'm, I'm very sorry. Jesus, controlling the conversation. Anyways, uh, turns out that Alex also knows uh, the the sister of Sonia. And he kind of like works. He kind of like works with her. Says, "Hey, I can help you find her." And she's getting. She's starting to shake down this this local like mafia area called Mo, mafia area guy called Moscow, and uh, his goons and like they're trying to like stop her and all this stuff. And he, he offers them drugs instead, you know, because he's got the special drug. This recall drug basically makes you think back to the past of the best times you ever had. And he's the only one who has the like formula for it. So Sonya and him kind of team up, and she's like, what do you know about this girl? He goes, I can help you find her. Meanwhile, you find this other group who kind of is uh, – and it's almost pointless by the end of this first uh, volume, this group of women that – so there's a woman yeah. who has, like, one eye, yeah. and she, she like, takes care of and looks after women in the area. Right. But by the end of this comic, she's just – It doesn't pointless. matter. Like, oh. 
<laughs> that whole story. Her whole None story of it matters. Like, None of it matters. That whole section. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And if you, uh, I mean, volume two, spoiler alert, is like 75 years in the future and deals with entirely different people. So it's like yeah, even it's, less it's, important it's than you so would think. so pointless. Yeah. So she like runs this club and she's got this strong arm guy and this other quirky woman who's kind of weird. Um, and they kind of like are her her henchmen, I guess. But again, they don't matter as the whole thing. She's also looking for the woman because there's she's had a string of women that have been missing. I guess the only reason why she's introduced into the comic book is because the plot point that there's been a string of women missing recently, and uh, they're trying to figure out what's going on. This woman's the next in line of women that have been missing. They go back to Alex. Alex meets with Sonia outside of his apartment. He gets a bunch of he gets a gun, drugs, and money, and gets encountered by a bunch of uh, hooligans outside that are working with Moscow. He kind of, like, blows them up because he's, like, MacGruber, I guess. He then flashes into the place where all these women are, including this missing girl, and it turns out, like, they're housing all these women in these cages, and they're, like, testing them for something. And then there's a separate little story where these two young teenagers find a crater in the mining facilities where they see, like, a uh, glowy. So that's like the first comic book. The rest of this comic book kind of goes into the this major arc of this group. Alex and Sonia go and try and find Sonia's sister. And the beginning, the beginning of these comic books are doing a lot of comic books are doing lately. Kind of, I'm starting to get a little annoyed of it. Of this whole like, is it the voiceover thing? Is it like kind of like yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah? I hear you. It's like a lot of comic books are starting to get this like like the author thinks he's smarter than everybody else type of existential view on the world. And it's the first like four pages of each comic book is this guy monologuing about. Yeah. And like androgynous weird names? way. Like Langford Lang- It's like a, some weird kind of name, Langford, something Langford or whatever. It's like the old, isn't the old guy? Like he's like pontificating. Yeah. On, like, the origins just, of the universe, what everything means. And, and like, his life it's and- just kind of, I'm kind of getting past that with comic books. They do it a lot. Like it's it's all very cryptic and and weird. It's like just just get to the story. I don't care. Just let's go. I hundred percent uh, agree with you because like those like it's not even like exposition dumps. Like it's something we talk about in a lot of the writing classes I teach. We talk about the idea of like expedition dumps at the beginning of stories and how sometimes like people overload like readers, like writers overload readers with stuff that they honestly don't really need to know because they're in such a, you know, they're, they're in such a quick hurry to tell you, look about all this cool world stuff. This is even, this isn't even really that. It's like, it's like philosophical, like a philosophy dump, you know, philosophic stuff. And like, it's really weird. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how much, I mean, I think some of it is, is interesting, but like, I do, I totally do agree with you. I think it's a tool that people are going to too frequently, or at least maybe I'm just more prone to pick the comics that are doing that. Maybe that's, that maybe that's what it is too. Cause I, I'm not like a, I like the pictures. (laughs) Okay. Continue. So Alex and Sonia start uh, investigating stuff. Alex goes to the woman's shelter place with the lady that has the one eye and talks to her about it. And and Sonia listens through the door and finds out that Alex was in a relationship with Sonia's sister and he lied to her and she's mad and then they get in a big old fight and he won't tell her why they broke up or why he doesn't want to leave planet to go find her. It turns out that he back on earth was kind of a piece of crap and the only way he could find himself to be a real person is to come up with this drug. Unfortunately, this like mob boss found out that he knows how to make the drug and he's the only one who knows how to make the drug. So the only way to uh, ensure that he will give him the, like the stuff for the drug, he puts a bomb in his chest that if he leaves the planet, uh, he'll blow him up. 
but he can't blow them up because he doesn't get ever give them the recipe. So Alex fell in love with Sonya's sister, and that's why he's like uh, trying to search for her. And then you see more stuff about the lore of what's going on with his singularity that there's these like three like spacemen that like visited over a period of time to this place and they looked normal and this guy kind of like entrusted himself with them to try and figure out what's going on in the singularity but it turns out they turn into like these like zombie husks and they kind of like are working with whatever's on the other side of the singularity yeah to do what they're doing and uh the also Black everyone Sun, who's, I believe it's called. yeah, yeah. All the people who've taken the drug from Alex are also becoming somewhat corrupted by it and also becoming like zombie people. Uh, shit hits the fan and zombie people start taking over. <laughs> yeah. And I don't understand how people with guns can't stop zombie people because you really think about it. He didn't give like the he didn't give the whole satellite drugs. He just gave like a handful of people drugs and somehow they're like uh, the young kids with the egg get caught and they give up the egg and the egg has significance later on uh that ends up in the hands of like the henchman of the woman with the one eye mm -hmm. they confront the scientist scientist says more than you know what's going on blah, blah 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 the moscow guy also has like has been affected by the black sun and he's like cutting people's heads off and stuff and murdering people it's a bunch of crazy stuff but it's all pretty cool um and pretty well written uh and then at the end, uh, they find out that that egg is a soul. And so what happens is when they expose the people to the singularity, they lose their soul. The soul then gets put into the minds of the satellite in the area. Why? I don't know. And that egg is basically their soul, and they lose their soul. They become like a, a husk of a man zombie type of thing. And so that scientist guy was, come, was experimenting on these things to try and figure out a way to communicate with the other side with whatever's happening with these lost souls and these eggs, whatever. So it's just kind of like him trying to figure out what's going on there. So he's it's he's sacrificing for science. Um, so Alex's Alex's girlfriend slash Sonya's sister they find her, but she doesn't have her soul in her. So they have to find a soul to put in her. They find, they get like an excess soul to put in her. They put that in her to kind of uh, uh, hold her over, and yeah. then expose her to the singularity again. Yeah, it's like it's like when you drop your car off to like get repaired, and they give you a rental, yeah, a rental. for a couple they days. Give a rental. Yeah, it's really nice. It's very considerate of the dealership. Yeah, so they then like drop drop her soul off. And when they drop her soul off, they then find the other soul that was in the bag by the lady who runs like the women's shelter place, because that was what was that was the original egg that the kids had. Put the soul back in the woman's body, and then to say goodbye, uh, Alex says, "I love you, but I can't leave the planet." And he puts himself out the airlock and blows himself up, Kablooey. And uh, then they leave, and as they're leaving. Uh, the singularity like takes over the area and creates like these weird like shadow dogs that start eating souls yeah and that's it pretty much yeah. it's just it's yeah. a it's kind of a weird story but it's it's interesting and i was i liked it the whole time uh, yeah i mean the tone of your summary definitely sounds like you liked it you uh like you had a way of every time like I can't believe I'm being bothered having to talk about this. And then I had to do this. And it's like, it's like you're talking about doing laundry and chores for the day. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's a, there's a lot to digest in the story. And the one thing that was just really, really pointless was that one woman with one eye. <laughs> she ends up dying at the end for like, no reason. <laughs> it's just like, the whole of them did too. Like they're like a group of them, like get together with guns and like the doors open and, and then we don't even see what goes down. But then we see it later that they're dead among 
corpses but then when alex has to take out moscow like he does it like all super like i'm just gonna slide down on my knees and then turn around and shoot you so and like, I, oh, I guess it was cool it was cool but it does make you wonder as you mentioned before the crew that got off that elevator or whatever it was they had a bunch of guns on them and apparently those guns didn't work you know <laughs> just, yeah, like, like all moscow had was a sword I know there's, yeah i know there's a lot of like zombies at you but like yeah. there's like 16 rounds in a and, and their so deaths and their deaths happen off cell like like off screen so to speak you know so it's just like all right like how like especially since like but overall I, I thought the the story was entertaining for mm-hmm. one volume i guess the next there's three whole volumes mm-hmm. i guess they're all tied around this one particular like singularity yeah um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's interesting um i didn't i didn't like drudge through it the only thing i didn't like was really like the like you said the pre uh uh book pontification per every uh uh, issue which is a little bit like i'm really getting tired of that a lot of comic books do that like i get it you're a writer and you think a lot can we get to the story yeah i uh i really liked it um actually overall i do think there are times towards the end where it felt like it was rushed like the sequence yeah, like, yeah, yeah let's wrap this up let's go come yeah, on, it's on, like, on let's on. hurry up and get it done five i'm like well you know if you would have cut down on some of the pontificating you would have had extra pages so I mean, I don't know how, how the business works, so I have no idea how, how that negotiation happened. But I do feel like there were moments at the end where I felt like I think we deserved, especially with the characters that you've mentioned, to see at least at least a little more of what like what happened um, and have them go out in a more interesting way. Uh, I definitely thought the recall stuff was cool. One of the reasons I assigned this to you because you and I both love Total Recall with Arnold Schwarzenegger. So I'm like, hey, well, look, the body of it, yeah, yeah, so it's got a drug. It's got a drug called Recall that has to do with memories, and it's like, hey, it's kind of like that. Plus, it's you know on a different planet, and like, yeah, there's like something else going on, and I don't know. And I guess at the end, that's what happens when you give them people the air. Like a, a big old black sun comes out of a get the people the air, come on, and people explode. The only thing that kind of like annoyed me is they never explained like what was in the Recall. I would assume it's like pieces of people's souls. I ass- like he gets yeah. it from them. Yeah, like, I think that's kind of interesting. Um, I don't know. Okay, so I haven't read volume two yet. One of the reasons I got into this is because volume one in its entirety is on the unlimited for Comixology, and I have a subscription to Comixology. So I'm just going through and trying to find some cool stuff. And I love science fiction, and I like noir. And this was a little bit of science fiction and noir because it had, like, you know, the big overarching, like, science fiction storylines, the big philosophical stuff, uh, cool setting, but also, like, you know, the missing person type story that you had to go along. So like it was kind of right in my wheelhouse in terms of the types of stories I like to read. And it, de- it didn't disappoint. Like I definitely enjoyed it. And I do recommend it, uh, especially anybody who's got a comiXology um, account, like definitely go read this. Like, uh, but I'm probably going to pick up uh, volume two and volume three uh, once I get through my other reading list. But I definitely want to want to keep reading. Um, this reminded me a little bit of you ever seen the movie Solaris? Like there's two different versions. I did not. No, I never saw it looks like the 70s and then like George Clooney. Yeah, the George Clooney one a couple years ago, and it was like you know, with the woman yeah. from uh, from uh, uh, Natasha, Show, Natasha yeah. McElhorn, I think her name is um, something like that. Uh, she's uh, no, her name is woman from Truman Show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, that's it. Um, so anyway, uh, you ready for your quiz? I think it's a good movie. Yeah! Good movie. I think it's a good, good comic. Definitely, definitely go read it. Take a look at it. Yeah, it's, Total it's, Recall it's is great. I love it. Total Recall, the original. Yeah, uh, even though Story it's stories. Yes. Yeah, I got four kids to feed. <laughs> what happened to the fifth? Wait a minute. What happened oh, to the fifth? Oh, shit. You caught me. <laughs> God, I love that movie. I love the dude. The dude who plays Benny like, is so good. Oh, my God. And then he goes, Listen, they have you pushing too many pencils. 
God, I love that movie. It's so good. <laughs> we should just do a retro review of Total Recall. Oh, man. Okay, uh, so I got some questions. I got five questions for you. Uh, whatever to the... Never mind. Uh, okay, so question number one. Uh, what are the two types of people in this world? Uh, those... It's like those who change, right? Because like he talks about how like the universe isn't about discover or isn't about discovering god is about transformation so it's like the types of people in this world are those who lie and change or those who never believe to begin with or something like that something along those lines that's pretty damn close uh i think i'll go ahead and i'll I'll take a page out of your book i'm gonna give you 0.75 so those whose faith is fluid and with the right amount of justification, can shift it throughout their lives. All right, okay, 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 and then there's the people like who, whether they lost it or never had it in the first place, have no faith at all. So that's that's pretty damn close. So I'm gonna go ahead and give it to you. Point uh, seven five. Okay. Uh, now Moscow, who is a dude who swings a sword when everyone else is shooting guns, but somehow was very successful until a clothesline did him in. Uh, Moscow. What is his favorite saying? It's a really good saying, actually. Black hole, son, <laughs> won't you come? Okay. I can't remember. Oh, Chris Cornell. I loved Chris Cornell. I wanted to be Chris Cornell in the 90s. Like, started growing a goatee because of it. Wear the same shirts, wore some baggy, like, corduroy jeans, learned to play guitar really badly. Anyway, the, the quote, the saying is, the night hides a world, but reveals a universe. I, I didn't even remember that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then question number three. What is science it's the study of transformation that is 100 percent correct that's 100 i was yeah. going to give you half credit anyway because you're pretty close to just stumbling on it when you answered number one but you nailed it yes science is the study of transformation Do, you're doing very well what i are, read a comic <laughs> what are three theories about what the anomaly is give me three theories about what people think the anomaly is one of them was it's like it's just a light in the sky and there's nothing on the other side one is that it's a portal to hell, and the other one says it's a portal to hell. What was the, what was the other one? What was the third one you said? A portal to heaven. Uh, I'm going to give you 60, 0.66 because the gateway to heaven or hell is kind of like one, and then there's like the dark abyss of the universe that we refuse to acknowledge, and that was like the, that was like your first thing about the, the light, and there's no darkness. But then the third theory was a parallel universe. It's a, it's a gateway to a parallel okay, universe. Okay, okay, okay. So, that was okay, okay. so I'll give you credit for 0.66. You're still doing fantastic. I'm so proud of you. Uh, okay. Final question. Uh, what were the three missing heroes slash pioneers called that? And I think they were the ones that, that uh, boarded or occupied Gen- Genesis 2. Uh, so what were they called, and and how did they get their name? Astro, oh boy, it's like astronaut almost, but it's like the astroneers. Is that what it was? That was incorrect. You're getting uh, there. So the the first part you got wrong, and they're called the explorer knots. Ah, poop. How did they get this name? I don't remember. Uh, that's what the media gave them back home. Now follow up. What's more realistic, that a quasi-black hole could give birth to a black sun that's capable of consuming souls, or that the name Explorer Knots would actually catch on? Which one of those things is more realistic and believable? Uh, the first one. Yes, I, I t- totally Explorer Knots sounds like the dumbest name I've ever heard. Yeah, it's, oh, God. The whole time I was reading this book, I was thinking that song Explorer, the whole time. I know, I know, me too, me too. 
Um, okay, so you did you did really well. So that's 0.75. You got like I'm just gonna go ahead and round it up. I'm gonna give you three. I'm just gonna go ahead and round it up. I'm gonna say you got three. It's pretty good, man. It's pretty good. Three out of five. Excellent job. Well done. Well done. You know, some of us are meant to listen to Black Hole Sun and and read comic books. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm glad I'm one. Mm-hmm. So you ready for new quizzes? Yeah. Okay. So what do you got for me? Uh, you're gonna read Saga. Uh, okay. Right on. Uh, it's a really really good comic. Uh, it's Brian K. Vaughn. I love Brian K. Vaughn, and um, uh, I think you really 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 like it. First so, volume. Am I doing first volume? Volume one. Yeah, first volume. There's six Sounds comics. All right, Justin, your new quiz is courtesy of our friend Ashley. Uh, Ashley would like you. This is her idea. And it's interesting because you almost assigned this to me once as a quiz. And so I don't recall if you've seen it. So I know you've probably heard about it, though. So your new quiz for next week is to watch the movie Tusk. Oh, God, I saw that on the thing today. Mm. <sighs> Gross. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Hey, that was Ashley's idea. Okay, so we got our new quizzes. We got our quizzes uh, graded. Uh, we are ready to end the episode. So if you like what you're hearing, if you would be so kind as to hop over on Apple Podcasts or on the Stitcher or wherever else you actually get our podcast, maybe give us a couple stars, a like, subscribe, a thumbs up, you know, something like that. Maybe a review typed out even. Uh, if you could, it definitely helps. Any little any little feedback we can get is always great. Anything to help those algorithms uh, pop our uh, our little podcast up a little bit higher and a recommended list for other people would be great. Uh, if you want to catch us online, you can find us at thelollygaggers.com. That's our new uh, that's our new website. Uh, and so we're going to be doing some some big additions to that over the next couple of weeks as we add the second podcast uh, to the fold. Uh, but I've already started doing some uh, some slight uh, slight upgrades, so it looks a little cleaner, a little easier to read, a little easier to navigate. Uh, you can catch me on Twitter at lollygaggerco. You can get Justin at buys Justin. Uh, if you got ideas for how we might quiz one another, I'll throw it to us up on uh, up on social media, and uh, we'll go from there. Uh, and so, finally, then, Justin, um, I suppose to to close down this uh, this episode, I would like you to please, uh, in your best Arnold Schwarzenegger voice, uh, sing sing the chorus from Black Hole Sun, please. Black Hole Sun, Black Hole Sun, won't you come? Ah!